0: Around the moral issues of our time, visit avemarialaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Nospinhomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. All three of the readings for this weekend speak to us about healing, physically and spiritually. Now, I think this touches many of us. You know, a good number of us have experienced, maybe an unexpected diagnosis, or maybe we suffer from a chronic illness, chronic pain, which can be debilitating in some way, shape, or form. Now, in some ways, we can somewhat accept these illnesses, for example, if it's hereditary, we say to ourselves, "Well, uh, Grandma and Grandpa, they had heart disease. You know, Mom and Dad had heart disease. You know, my uncles and aunts had heart disease. It runs in the family. Pretty soon, I'll get it myself." Or, when we were younger, for example, we were naive. We played a lot in the sun. We didn't use sunblock or sunscreen. Now, as adults, we're paying for that, and yet. I think the hardest part of it all is when the doctor gives us no answer as far as why we have come down with a specific illness. Next are the questions. Why? Why is this happening to me? And it becomes very frustrating, especially when we try to live a healthy life. We avoid things like cholesterol. We try to exercise. We did all the right things, and yet we still came down. With a specific disease. Now, I think this happens to us, not just physically, but also spiritually. Now, turn to that first reading for this weekend. I think that first reading helps us to find healing in whatever we're suffering from. Now, this first reading is not necessarily the best known story throughout the untold Old Testament, but nonetheless, it's powerful we find healing in this story. Now, we find it in the second book of Kings, chapter 5. Now, the central character in this story is a man named Naaman, and he's a great general, but he's not a general of the Israelite army. In fact, he's the commander of the Aramean army, which is a neighboring power, in fact, a rival to the Israelites. He's very successful and powerful. And yet, we find out he suffers from a debilitating disease. It's leprosy. Now, once on a raid on an Israelite village, Naaman takes prisoners. And one of the prisoners is a small girl. And so he makes this girl his servant. Now, this girl is very sympathetic with Naaman, as well as his suffering from leprosy. She tells him that he should go to Israel And contact Elisha, who is a very strong prophet. And Elisha will cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman acts upon this and he goes to Israel. He arrives and he finds Elisha's house. Now he's standing in front of Elisha's house with many gifts to give Elisha after Elisha has cured him from his leprosy. And yet Elisha will not go out of his house and greet Naaman. He stays in his house and he sends servants to greet Naaman and then to give him instructions on how he is to be cured. He must go to the Jordan River and bathe seven times. Now Naaman is insulted by the way Elisha has treated him. The fact that Elisha could not go out of his house and greet Naaman, who was a great general and who has traveled a great distance to see him. So, Naaman feels humiliated, and he sulks, and then he starts thinking to himself, how ridiculous this is. Are the rivers of my homeland any better than the rivers of Israel? But after a while, eventually, he agrees, and he bathes seven times in the Jordan, and miraculously, he's cured. Now, filled with gratitude, he takes some of the soil from Israel so that he is able to worship the one true God, our God, Yahweh, when he goes back home. And so this story contains within it some very important truths that can help us heal. First, Naaman. Naaman, we know, is a great and influential person. In fact, he's probably feared by many people, especially by many countries. And yet he has a weakness, leprosy. Now, we know leprosy is a disease that is readily seen. It can't be covered up. When the person has it, they have it from head to toe. No matter how successful Naaman has been, he has a weakness. Well, the same thing holds true with us. No matter how successful we are in the world, we still may have a weakness that we wish would just go away. Now, one of the things I like doing is reading biographies. Especially of famous people. And I think the exact same thing happens to them. I'll give you a couple of examples. Abraham Lincoln, now one of the greatest presidents in our country, and yet he suffered a debilitating disease, depression. In fact, he carried that depression into the White House. Winston Churchill, a great leader for the British people, and yet throughout most of his life, he stammered. He had a very terrible stuttering problem. In every great person, you find this tragic weakness that they have. And so it begs the question, what led Naaman to God? Was it his power, his success, his fame? No, none of that. What led Naaman to God was his very weakness. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, in the same way, just like Naaman, he begs God three times that God will take away his weakness. God's response? My grace is enough for you, for in weakness, power reaches perfection. Here's the first lesson that we can take from the story. Don't run away from your weakness. Because God's divine providence is often one in which our weakness leads us to God. The very weakness in which you say, I just wish it would just go away, is now leading you to God, so that God may strengthen you with his grace. Next, this servant girl. Now, remember, in the ancient world, it was a patriarchal society. Now, it's hard to imagine anyone lower in societal norms than this servant girl. Here, we have this great general, Naaman who not only listens to her, but also takes her advice. Now, Naaman used to be surrounded by powerful people, the best and the brightest soldiers that were always giving him advice on tactics and strategy. And still, he takes the advice of this little girl. Well, that shows Naaman's incredible humility and vulnerability. He listened and he acted. Here's a second lesson we can take from this story. When we're struggling spiritually, physically, have the humility to listen to the advice of others. You see that up and down sacred scripture. God chooses the weak and he makes them speak on his behalf. Well, we must have the humility of Naaman to listen to those people around us and hear God's voice in what they ask or say to us. Next. Naaman goes to Israel. Now, it's a great act of humility on his part. When he arrives, the king of Israel is skeptical about Naaman. Now, when you think about it, rightfully so. Say you are the king of Israel, and here comes over your border the leading general of your rival country. It would be a good analogy like general telling the Canadians, you know, I'm just here for the spring waters. Well, that's ridiculous. We would naturally think, well, he's there to spy or to look around for potential sites to invade. So we would be naturally suspicious of a visiting general. Well, the king of Israel was. In fact, he tried to block Naaman from coming into the country. Here's a third lesson that we can take from the story. When seeking healing, sometimes expect opposition. Part of the tragedy of our fallen world due to sin is, was that the road to healing can sometimes be blocked. Great example of this. Look at the Israelites escaping Egypt and slavery. They tried to escape, and yet it wasn't easy for them because the Egyptians tried to block them, prevent them from leaving. Well, there will be people, events, or even our own fears that will block us from being healed. Now, Naaman perseveres. You know he won't let the king of Israel's fear stop him. Well, so too must we. We have to persevere, especially when we feel that we are pre- prevented from essentially being healed. Now, next, Naaman he meets with the messengers of Elisha, not Elisha himself. Now, first he's insulted, sure, okay, but later on, he accepts with great humility and submits to the instructions, and is healed. St. Augustine once said, the three greatest virtues in the spiritual life are humilitas, humilitas, humilitas. What's the fundamental problem in the spiritual life for so many people? Pride. All sin is a subset of pride. That's why pride is one of the most deadliest sins. Pride is one in which the person says, I am God. I determine my own life. Well, if pride is the primary spiritual problem, the solution is always the same, humility. You know, that old expression, the doorway to a great soul is always low. Well, that's so true. If you want a great soul, a soul that is filled with joy and peace and purpose, well, we have to humble ourselves in order to pass through that low door. Well, Naaman does. He follows the instructions, he bathes seven times, and he's cured. Here's the fourth lesson that we can take from this story. When it comes to healing, we have to humble ourselves, you know, to essentially get through that low doorway so that we may have a great soul. One last thing. The story ends with right worship. Now, yes, Naaman is cured, but that's not the end of the story. Naaman takes soil from Israel home with him. Now, you say to yourself, well, that's bizarre. Well, you have to realize, in the ancient world, you could only worship God, only on the soil of the country in which that God was honored. And our God, Yahweh, was only honored in Israel. And so, by taking the soil, Naaman, for the rest of his life, can worship God. See, we have to remember the goal of the spiritual life is right worship, which is what we do every weekend when we come to Mass on Saturday and Sunday. All sin is full of pride. And what does that do? It leads us away, away from right worship. And that's the reason why our churches are so empty. This story gives us some great lessons to help us in our healing First, have the courage to identify your weakness. In fact, it's your very weakness that will lead you to God. Be aware of God using people around you to speak to you. And listen, if the path to healing is difficult, persevere, just like Naaman. Practice humility. It leads to the great soul. And finally, your healing will lead you to right worship. How does this story begin? with a person with a weakness, how does it end with that same person practicing now right worship of God? This story is a great snapshot of our healing. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.